You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. But God is saying, hey, I can give you things that far exceed what you can possibly even think, ask, or imagine, because that's how good your God is. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Welcome to Southridge. Today's going to be a great day. I'm glad that you are here. It could be your anniversary, but it's the Lord's Day. Today, God wants to do some great things, and I'm excited that you're here. We're looking forward to what God's going to do, especially around this Christmas season. And I surely do hope you get everything on your Christmas wish list. I hope you get it all. And if you don't get everything you wanted, I hope what you get comes with a gift receipt. So at least you could take it back and get what you want. It's going to be a great time together. But this morning, I want to talk about why so many relationships don't stay together. Because it's the same reason why so many people will quit on a job, which is... The same reason why people will stop going to the gym, which is the exact same reason why people won't stay on their diet, which is the same reason they won't continue their education, which is the same reason why they won't get out of debt. It's the same reason why they won't invest into their children and raise up good kids. It's the same reason they'll walk away from a a difficult situation. It's all the same reason. You say, well, what is that? And maybe you're thinking this morning, I bet it's good intention. If people just had better intentions, then the relationships would work out. It's just good intentions. No, that's not it. Because already you're filling your mind and your heart and your planner with a bunch of good intentions. You're already thinking, January 1, 2019, City Sports, I'll be there. I'll see you bright and early at 4.45 in the morning, and I'm going to get my gear on. I'll have my Lululemons. I'll have my Nike Metcons, or I'll have my Adidas, or I'll have my whatever shoe you have, but you're like, I'm going to have my gym bag. I'm going to have my water bottle. I'm going to go spend a couple of hundred dollars. I'm going to get all the gear, and I'm going to show up in the morning, and it's going to last two days. You have the good intentions. You're thinking about I'm gonna do the keto diet or I'm gonna do a a paleo diet or I'm gonna do a 30-day juice cleanse or I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna spend this time with my family no no good intentions isn't your problem you say oh okay I know it is I know it is it's it's inspiration it's not good intentions it's inspiration if I just listen to more Tony Robbins if I just get me some Tony Robbins podcast, or if I just get me a little bit more of Oprah, or if I just get some Gary Vaynerchuk, I will stay inspired, motivated, pumped up, ready to go. And uh, then, I'll, then, then uh, my relationship won't, won't suffer. My job won't suffer. All these things won't suffer because it's, if it's not good intentions, then it's got to be inspiration. But I'm telling you, good intentions is not strong enough. Inspiration is not strong enough to keep the relationship together. You see, what we have is we have a problem, and it's that we've made an idol out of the ideal. You say, what do you mean, an idol out of the ideal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've made an idol out of the ideal. You say, what is an ideal? The definition of an ideal is this, a standard of perfection existing merely as an image in one's mind. 
You see, this morning, we all have a standard of perfection that only exists in our mind. And so you get into a relationship and you have an ideal for that person. You have an ideal of what they'll be like, how they'll act, how they'll behave. You have the ideal relationship. You have the ideal marriage. You have the ideal situation. You have the ideal life, the ideal career, the ideal lifestyle, the ideal bank account. You've got the ideal job. You've got the ideal children, the ideal pets. Everything in your life, you've already got the ideals. you got that down. The problem is life doesn't meet your ideals. And when it doesn't, and when it fails to meet our ideals, then we say, okay, this guy failed to meet my ideals. I'll go find me another one. This girl failed to meet my ideals. I'll find me another one. Uh, these kids failed to meet my ideals. I'll go make me some more, you know. Uh, this job did fail to meet my ideals, so I'm going to go find me another job. This diet failed to meet my ideals. I'm going to go somewhere else. This gym didn't work out for me. I'll go over here. Hey, that bank account plan or, or that, that, that uh, get out of debt plan didn't work. I'll just go find me something else. I'll just try something else. I'll find a new set of ideals because we've made an idol out of the ideal. And some of us are going to have a horrible Christmas, not because Christmas is horrible, because we have in mind the ideal Christmas and the ideal. Your idea of ideal is going to steal what you currently have. It's going to steal it because you've got this ideal, and it doesn't last. So this morning, this morning, cancer is not ideal, but it's real. Divorce is not ideal, but it's real. Being fired is not ideal, but it's real. Your child getting sick is not ideal, but it's real. Losing a loved one is not ideal, but it's real. All of us are going to go through situations that are less than ideal. And what's going to make it so bad is that you had in your mind this ideal that was up here and nothing else measured up. So the rest of your life, just depressed, discouraged maybe getting bitter, blaming God, upset with him, walking away from church, walking away from him, what he wants to do, because you're saying he didn't meet my standard of ideal. So let me show you how our idea of ideal can cause us to miss out on what's important. If you have a Bible, take it to Matthew chapter number two. I want to look at just five verses this morning. It's a familiar passage. It's a familiar couple of characters. These are the three wise men. Now, we just kind of think there's three because we know that there's three gifts. We don't actually know how many wise men they are. But we find in Matthew chapter number two, if you have a copy of God's word, you could turn there or it'll be up on the screen or there'll be a Bible in front of you and you can keep that. That's our gift to you. Matthew chapter number two, verse number one, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, this is all the pastors and spiritual leaders and the denominations. He got them all together and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And so it's amazing. Verse number five, the wise men, they were looking for him. They couldn't find him. They were searching for him, couldn't find him. Verse number five, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. So you got the wise men searching for him, but then you've got these religious people that are just ignoring him. They were like, oh, we know where he's at. We just, we just don't care. You see, what happens is we've got this standard of ideal, but things aren't meeting our ideal standard, and it's 
stealing from us the joy that's found in this situation. We're missing out on what's truly most important because of our ideal this morning. You see, we have in our mind an ideal timeline, the ideal life, the ideal person. Hey, we have the ideal person that we thought we would become. And here we're looking at our life, we're like, wow. I thought by this time I would already be at this place in life. I thought by this age I would already have this family status or this social status or this much in my bank account or I'd be this much farther along because in our mind we had this ideal, didn't we? And now we're waking up to the reality that, wait a minute, my ideal is now sabotaging everything else. It's stealing the joy out of my current situation. It's making me not appreciate the spouse that I have, the job that I have, the children that I have, the situation that I have, my financial situation, my spiritual and physical situation because the ideal that I had is stealing from everything. It's robbing because I had this expectation that was tied to the ideal. Because you and I, we had an ideal that it was gonna happen faster than it was. If you'd write something down, would you write this down? This may take a while. This may take a while. I was talking to somebody the other day. They're celebrating 15 years of marriage. And they said the first 10 were awful. They said it was horrible. We hated each other. They said it's just the last five that have been really good, really good. It took us a while. And that's the truth, isn't it? It takes a little while. You start a new job, it takes you a little while before you get the hang of it. You start anything new in life, it takes you a little while. I was sharing with somebody in the first service that when it came time to get my driver's license, I failed three times. The second time, I didn't even make it out of the parking lot. How bad is that? Like, like just don't ever ride in the car with me if you want to have a long, fruitful, and happy life, right? It just took a long time for me to get that parallel parking thing down. It just took me a long time to get certain things down. And so we can have this ideal expectation that things are going to happen sooner than we expected and it's going to be easier than we expected. But the problem is that's our ideal, isn't it? And we've made an idol out of the ideal. I talk to so many people and they, they have these great ideals and we're not talking about losing our idealism. We're just recognizing the fact that we've made an idol out of our idealism. We put it on a pedestal. And we compare everybody and everything to that ideal. And we're like, you're not measuring up to my imaginary standard of what ideal situation should be. It's going to take a while. You see, this it says the Magi, they came from the east. Many believe that they came from uh, what would be the Persia, which is modern-day Iraq. And they believe they came from Babylon. And this is some 800 miles that they would have traveled. That's a long time. It would take a long time. Ever been in a car with some young kids and they keep asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? As they're kicking the back of the driver's seat, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And they can kick and say it on beat. And you're just like, no, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. You know, and it's just like obnoxious. You know, you're like in the middle of the Mojave Desert, you pull off to the side and you're like, I could just leave you here. No one will know. No one will know. And no one will care. Your mom's asleep and you're Brothers and sisters are asleep. No, no, I left you. We'll blame it on something else, you know? And you just kind of, it seems like it's taking a lot longer. And many of you, that's the way you feel in life because you thought you'd be past this. And all of a sudden you're like, we're still dealing with this? We're still stuck in this? I thought we'd be on this by now. And what happens is you're searching for something. You thought you'd get there sooner. And it's easy to kind of get things mixed up as you're searching for something. They came to Jerusalem because they said, hey, we're looking for the king of Jer the Jews. Where would the king of the Jews be? In Jerusalem, they get there, and there's King Herod. It's not this Messiah. It's King Herod. All of a sudden, they get to this place, and they thought they've arrived, but how sad is that? They get to a place, and they find out they haven't found the actual place. Many of you thought, man, as soon as I get married, then I'll have arrived. And then once you got married, you're like, What? oh my goodness, I got 30, 40 years of this? Are you kidding me? 
Oh my goodness. Many of you thought as soon as I graduate, it's going to be, oh man, as soon as I graduate, it's going to be easy. And then you graduate, you're like, oh my goodness, my parents aren't letting me back in the house. They changed the locks. My key no longer works. They've cut my cell phone off. My credit card doesn't work. And we start to freak out because we've been cut off. And we're like, real life is setting in. And all of a sudden we're like, what's happening? You thought as soon as you got that job or as soon as you got in that relationship, or as soon as you got that car or as soon as you got that amount of the bank, you thought, man, now I'll feel complete. Now I'll feel responsible. Now I'll feel ready. And then you get there and you're like, I don't feel like we're there. That's what happened with the wise men. You see, they were searching for something, but even what they were searching for, they weren't really sure about. The other day, uh, Jane left me home with the kids with no adult supervision. And so I got three kids. I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and I've got, uh, he's not two. So I think he's like 20 months old. And I'm just going to keep doing that month old thing. He might be 18. I'll be like, yeah, he's like 62 months old and just mess with people. I might just keep that going. And uh, so uh, I was doing my own thing and the kids were playing, but all of a sudden I noticed that it's too quiet in the house. And how many parents know that when it gets quiet, that's when the kids are getting into trouble, right? When it gets quiet, the kids are in trouble. And so I started to go through the house because it's quiet. And I saw Megan, my eight-year-old daughter on her iPad and she's just doing her own thing. Then I looked for uh, Austin, he's playing Legos. And then I was thinking, oh, they're good. And then I was like, wait a minute, don't I have a third one? Oh yeah, yeah I do, I do. And I was like, where's Kane? Where's Kane? You know, he's less than two, but he can kind of get into everything. Everything. And so I started looking through the house for Cain, and I'm calling Cain's name. Cain, where are you? Cain, where are you? So I go in the backyard, and I start looking in the backyard, and I don't see Cain. And then I go into the garage, and, and now I'm starting to get worried because, you know, I mean, it took me a long time to get to the point where Jane would trust me with our three kids with no adult supervision. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be a bad conversation. I don't want to have to call her and make her worry, and then I'll never get to do this again, you know. And then I started going in the front yard. I couldn't find her. Sometimes Cain goes into our, our dog Kalani's kennel, and so I went in there, wasn't there. And then I thought, wait a minute, Cain is learning to play hide and go seek. What are Cain's hiding places? And then I was thinking, you know what? Think like a baby, which wasn't too hard for me. It came really natural, folks. I don't know why. It just, bam, I was there. So I started looking under things, started to look behind things, and I could not find him. And then I finally found him after literally over 30 minutes of searching and calling his name. Here's where I found him. Take a look at the screen. Yep, perfectly quiet, under my bed, just chilling, just chilling. I even said, hey, Kane," and he just looked forward, long enough for me to take a picture. And I was like, come on out. He still wouldn't come out. He was just fine under there. I was searching for him, looking for him, getting worried as a parent, searching for my son, and I couldn't find him. I knew what I was searching for. They didn't know what they were searching for. And some of you here this morning, you're not sure what you're searching for. You just know there's something missing. You're trying to fill it. You see, the wisest man who ever lived was King Solomon. He said in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, verse number 11, says that God has set eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? It means this, that God has put a God-shaped hole in our hearts that we can try to fill with all kinds of stuff. And the more you try to fill it, the more empty you will feel. So you and I, with our ideals, are going to try to try to meet those. And you may meet some of those ideals, and guess what? It's going to feel just as empty as if you set the wrong target. And you're going to be frustrated because you're like, wait a minute. 
reason, how come my life is not satisfying? Because God created our hearts to rest when they rest in him. And that's our creator. And we don't find our, our, our identity in anything outside of him. And it's coming back to what God wants. And some of you, you're searching for something. But the things that you're searching for is deeper. Notice that the wise men, they were looking for the stars. He says the stars started their journey. Started with the stars. They were looked up and they said something's going on. That started their journey. But the stars were not enough. You see, God may use a sign to get you going. Some of you, you found God in an amazing way. It was a sign. Something started that faith journey. Something alerted you to come to the church. Something alerted you. Maybe it was an uh, Instagram post. Maybe it was a Facebook ad. Maybe it was somebody told you about our church. But there was something that started that search. But notice, as soon as the wise men got to Jerusalem, the stars weren't enough. You say, what do you mean the stars weren't enough? Because they said, hey, we're looking for the Messiah. King Herod says, okay, I'll help you find him. He got all the religious leaders, said, hey, these guys are looking for the Messiah. What do you think, what do you guys know about it? And it says they opened up the prophet, the scriptures. You see, some of us, you're looking for God and you're looking for him in the heavens. You're looking for him in the earth. And God's like, hey, it's time you look for me in my word. If you crack open this book and this book will crack open, crack open your heart and all of a sudden great things will happen. I'll start speaking to you. I'll start ministering to you. But what happens is we're just like, God, just give me a sign that you want me to go to church. Give me a sign you want me to stay in this relationship. Just give me a sign. And God's like, how about you just open the book? Let me speak to you. Let me show you. Let me direct your steps. In 1932, in the Great Depression, there was a family, and they left three of their children. They had to, they had to leave them. Many years later, they had a fourth child, and when the fourth child was 14 years old, they told them what they had to do. And that fourth child was so determined to find his three other siblings. For the next 60 years, he searched all over the country to find his siblings. And on April 3rd, 2010, he found the last remaining sibling, and he knocked on their door after 60 years of searching for Irene Atkins. He found his biological sister. That's an epic search. And some of you are like, man, I'm on this epic search. I'm trying to search for the ideal life, the ideal mate, the ideal spouse, the ideal job. And I'm asking you this morning, don't let your idol of ideal steal your Christmas. And for some of you, it'll steal it. It'll steal your family. It'll steal your joy. It'll steal your love for God. It'll steal away. Why? Because you had this expectation this was going to happen sooner, that this, I was going to be further along. But here's the thing. This may take a while, but please write the second thing down. It will be worth your while. You say, what do you mean it'll be worth my while? Yeah, it's going to take a while, but it's going to be worth your while. Notice verse number six. I love the way verses one through five are. But then it just takes this turning point. Verse number six is so powerful. You say, why is verse number six so powerful? Because it says this, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. You see, the wise men were looking for Jesus. And they said, we're looking for a king. We're looking for a kingdom. We're looking for a king to sit on a throne, ruling with bodyguards and with a mansion and a palace and so Servants. That's what we're looking for. And they said, we're looking for him in his kingdom. So they went to Jerusalem. And they said, he's not in Jerusalem. He's in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was this tiny little shepherd's town. Even today, you go to Bethlehem. It's a small little village. It's just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. And here's what's amazing. They said, guess what? He's not where you expect him to be. And some of us, we're like that, aren't we? We expect God to meet us some places, don't we? We're like, wait a minute, God. I showed up at church. And man, I expect you to meet with me. And God, I showed up here. And I expect you to meet with me. And God, God will show up in the most random places. And here God says, hey, I am going to be in Bethlehem. And so sometimes God doesn't meet us where we expect him. He was in Bethlehem. But then they get to Bethlehem, and they don't find a king sitting on a, a throne. They find a baby on his mother's lap. You know, sometimes 
And God isn't where we expect him to be, and he's not what we expect him to be. Because we have an ideal even of God. We have an ideal of how God should work, when he should work, and what he should do, how he should save us, and how he should rescue our situation, how he should fix our, our, our family, and how he should fix them. But God's trying to remind us this morning that guess what? I, my plan does not work around your preferences. You and I are really good at having a list and a preferences of God. This is how you should work and this is how you should do it. And God's saying, hey, guess what? My plan is bigger than your preferences. And some of you want to check a little box that God, I will follow you. I will obey you as long as you give me a spouse, as long as you give me a career, as long as you keep my kids healthy, and as long as you provide for me, give me a nice 401k, then guess what? Yeah, I'll go to church. Yeah, I'll pray. Yeah, I'll do that. And God's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. My plan does not revolve around your preferences. And too many times we come to Christmas and we think, yeah, it's all about us. But God's saying, no, no, that's your ideal of God. That's not the real God. And this morning we're going to come here and we're going to say, God, I'm going to lay down my ideals. I'm going to lay it down. And we're going to say, God, I want to, I want to give it to you. You see, don't let your idea of ideal lead you to ignore what's most important. And what's most important is that it's all about God this year. It's all about him and what he wants to do in your life and through your life. And too often we just ignore it. You see, it would have been really easy for my grandmother. She immigrated to this country when she was 34. She had five children. She didn't speak the language. And she immigrates here within three months of living here. Her oldest son gets hit by a car and dies. It's not long later that her husband gets sick because of a wound from World War II that became infected. My dad said he remembered at eight years old saying goodbye to his dad as he went to the hospital thinking it was a routine checkup and never seen his dad again. So what do you do when you're 34 years old, you're in a new country, you just buried your son, now you're burying your husband, you have four kids to raise, you've got to pay for their college, you've got to get in a house, you've got to get a job, you're in a new country, no family, they're all still in another country, and you're thinking now, God, this is not ideal, this is real. It'd be real easy at that point to get mad at God, to get bitter at God, and say, hey, no, no, no. It'd be real easy at that point to say, you know what, God, you did me wrong, God, I had this ideal, I had my preferences, and God, you didn't meet my preferences, so guess what? No, it'd be real easy for my grandmother, my Oma, to be the most angry, bitter, upset woman you've ever met. You know, those, the, the angry old cat lady, that would be real easy for my grandmother to be that lady. To be the lady with 115 different cats inside of her house and just angry at any of the neighbor kids that step on her lawn or step in her yard or walk on her petunias. It'd just be real easy. But my grandmother on April 6, 26, is going to celebrate her 90th birthday. And we're going to go there. She's the sweetest, most happiest, most alive, most alert, most involved lady you've ever met. She loves people. She just sent us a card, gave some money to my kids. Those are her great-grandkids. And she is so involved in her church. She still visits people. She's still there. She still loves God. She raised four kids. Two of her sons became a pastor. Two of her daughters married men who were pastors for a time. They love the Lord. They're doing great. It would have been easy for her to say, hey, guess what? Life did not turn out ideal. It'd be real easy to just walk away. It'd be real easy to say, God, you did me wrong because God, I had this ideal life goal, this ideal life plan. And here she is saying, hey, I got to figure this thing out. I got to get these kids through college. I got to be a single mom now. And it'd be real easy for her to go the other way. But she decided, you know what? No, 
Guess what? That's what Bethlehem was. But thou, O Bethlehem, even though you're small, guess what? Great things are going to come out from you. It's a transition right now. I don't know where you're at, but guess what? Don't let your ideal Christmas steal Christmas this year. Don't let your ideal life steal your life. Don't let your ideal marriage steal your marriage. Don't let your ideal children steal the children that you have. Don't let your ideal job steal the job that you have. Don't let the ideal church steal the church that you have. Because too often, what's wrong in your life has nothing to do with facts. It has everything to do with your ideals. And because life doesn't measure up to your ideals, you're disappointed, you're frustrated, you're angry, and you bring that to bear on everybody around you. And everybody around you knows that you're upset. And what you're upset about actually is nothing real. It's all in your head. It's something that you put up there. It's this ideal that God never promised you. God said, guess what? Hey, in this world, you will have trials. You will have tribulation. That's the facts. Here's the thing. We know cancer's a part of life. We know divorce is a part of life. We know that kids getting sick is a part of life. Losing a job is part of life. Getting fired is part of life. Guess what? We know that's part of life. We just didn't think it'd be part of our life. And we get upset that it happened to us. And we think, God, no. There's a whole lot of other people that deserve what you're doing to me right now. And be real easy. Think about the Magi for just a second. Hold on. They're from the east. Most scholars believe that they're from Babylon. And in Daniel chapter number five, it talks about that Daniel was put in charge of some people. You know what those people were called? They were called the Magi. Daniel was in charge of the Magi. These Magi came from the east. They came from Babylon to Jerusalem. Why would they go to Jerusalem? I mean, where would they hear about this prophecy? How about a guy by the name of Daniel, who Daniel had his family murdered. He was kidnapped, taken to Babylon, stripped of his title, and they were put him as a Babylonian. They renamed him. They changed his identity. But guess what? Here's Daniel put in charge. And what is Daniel going to do? All the people he's in charge of, he's going to teach him about the coming Messiah. That's what he's going to do. And it's going to take another 400 years later. But guess what? They were going to continue to teach it after generation after generation. So one day in strolls these magi and they're saying, hey, this is what that one old, old guy kept telling us about. That one day there's going to be a Messiah and look for his sign. And when we see the sign, we need to go and say, said, hey, it'd be easy to look for the ideal, but they are saying, I'm going to deal with the real. This Christmas, how about we be a church that says, we're going to deal with the real. We're going to deal with the real. The real is this. I don't have a job. The real is this. I am divorced. The real is this. I'm not as happy as I want to be. The real is this. I don't have as much money as I want. The real is this. I'm not as healthy as I thought I'd be. The real is this. I'm not really looking forward to 2019. The real is this. I thought when we had a thousand people two weeks ago, that guess what? At least half would stick around. Not that our church would shrink. Just being real. How about that? Let's just put it out there. We've had over 35 500 guests come to our church and guess what our church hasn't grown that much and that's just real that's just what I deal with and I'm thinking God what's going on I'm just getting real with you guys can I just get real can a pastor get a little bit real is that okay all right I thought so hey and 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 it's really easy to get depressed and say God I don't want to do this anymore I kid you not church a week ago I was like I'm done I'm, I'm seriously done I'm just like I'm tired of this not that anything's wrong not that anything is immoral not that anything bad had happened not that Jane hates me or anything or my kids don't love me or that Kane's hiding under a bed or anything no, no I was just like God I don't get this I don't get how you could show up so miraculously where churches will call me up and say, hey, you need to coach us on that. You need to write a book on that. Hey, you need to market that. You need to tell people how to do that. Yeah, 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 where people are saying, hey, do you know that there'll be pastors? They will line up for days. They will give you good money to teach them how not to just double the church, but you quadrupled the church on one Sunday. That's incredible. And here I'm stepping back and I'm saying, God, I don't get it. I'm so frustrated. I'm so tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. Do you know how much energy it takes? Do you know how much resources it takes? And do you see all that I'm going through? And then to get attacked and get missed align and have people say bad things about you to have people come out against you as you're trying to do something good God I don't need this I want to walk away because it's not my ideal 
It didn't measure up to my ideal. And God convicted me this week. He said, I didn't promise you that they would come back. I didn't promise you anything. The only thing I promise you is that I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That my love will always be there. That my presence will always be there. That my power will always be there. That I know you're going to go through difficult times. I know that people are going to say some things about you. I know some people probably won't come back to the ministry, but they're going to be saved at that ministry. I know you're going to put a lot of effort, a lot of money, and you're going to do all these things for the community. And guess what? The community may not respond like you want them to respond. But guess what that's all from? That's actually from your ideal. That's not the real. But what you're going to do You're going to sabotage your own blessing because all you're going to get fixated on is the fact that you had this ideal that there was a thousand two weeks ago, so there will at least be half that coming in the new year. Come on, I passed out magnets. I was like, all right, we're going to pray this year. God, uh, we want to be at 500 by the end of this year. And I was like, we're at 265. We're over halfway there. Come on. Last Sunday was like the lowest Sunday in our church. That's nobody's fault. But you know what it did to me? It just was like, God, are you still with me? Do you know what I was living in? I was living in an ideal. That's mine. That's what gets me. That's my idol. That's my idol. You have yours too. You have yours too. That's mine. Yours may be, I can't believe my wife did this. Can't believe my husband this. Can't believe my boyfriend won't commit. Can't believe I didn't get that promotion. Can't believe they gave it to Bozo up the office. Duke can't even tie up laces and zip up his zipper stinking moron like how did he get the job and they passed me over like what you're just dealing with the real because why you had this ideal image and all of a sudden you're like god what are you doing and you're confused and you're hurt and you're wounded and you're saying god i can't believe you're doing this to me and all of a sudden it's real easy to say god i just want to walk away here's what's so amazing the wise men they go to bethlehem but they went by themselves. You say, why is that a big deal? Because the priests and these leaders, you would think they'd be like, hey, you guys are going to go find the Messiah. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. You're going to go worship the Messiah. I'll go with you. I want to do that too. I want to be there too. But all of a sudden, instead, they say, no, no, the wise men, they had to go by themselves. Not everybody believed them. You say, well, I thought you said it's going to be worth your while. It is. How many ever heard the adage? That it's not the destination, it's the journey. Come on, T.S. Eliot or Hemingway, whoever said it. They both argue about who said it. But that's not true. That's not true. Because in verse number 11, it says that, and when the wise men walked into the house, they saw the babe, and they fell down and worshipped him. Wait, these are great men. And they fell down and worshipped a baby that we believe is two years old or younger? They fell down and worshiped a baby about the age of Cain. And they, they, they fell down on their faces. They humbled themselves. And they began to worship, give adoration, speak praise over him. And then they delivered gifts to him. It's not the journey that matters. It's Jesus that matters. And so many of us are missing Jesus because we have the ideal Jesus, not the real Jesus. The ideal Jesus would have been in Jerusalem on a throne having some dude dropping grapes into his mouth. That's what their ideal was. That's what they're used to over in Babylon. That's how they did things over in the east. East side, this is how we roll. They were like, no, no, no. This ain't how we roll on the west side. West side, west bank, this is not how we roll. They're like, we do things a bit differently. We humble around here. We in Bethlehem. 
And it's really easy for you and I to think, God, this is how my Christmas is supposed to turn out. God, this is what you're supposed to do. And then God says, no, let me just wreck your paradigm for a second. Let me just make it all about me because here's the problem. Your ideal actually centers around you. You say, no, 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 I just want a happy marriage. Wait, 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 hold on, back up, back up. Why? Because I want a happy marriage. So I can take good Instagram photos. Why? So I can make everybody jealous that my hubby's better than theirs. Filter life, filter free, whatever. You did not wake up like that. You didn't. I'm sorry. You didn't. You say, I want kids like this. Why? It's all about you. Your ideals center around you. And it's time we say, you know what, God, I'm going to lay this down. I've been wearing this and no wonder my life is so frustrating, so discouraging. And no wonder I kind of poisoned the well of my life because I've been feeding this toxic thinking, this toxic life. And it's feeding and bleeding into every other aspect of my, my life. And, in, and it's influencing everything. And it's poisoning the well of my life. So no longer is anything that is good and pure flowing out because I've missed it. That it's not about the journey. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to wreck your paradigm of who I am and how I work and how I show up. I may not show up in a throne room. I may show up as a baby and humble. And I'm going to throw up, uh, show up so I can reach people. And you and I, we kind of get upset by that image and be real easy to get fixated on it. But God is saying, hey, it's not about the journey. It's all about Jesus this morning. And so many of us, we get fixated and we think, man, it's all about our ideals. You know what's so amazing? You're searching, you're trying to fill your life with what is ideal in your mind. But let me ask you a simple question. Do you even remember what you got for Christmas last year? You're like, uh, my wife and I, we do this every year. What did I get you? I know it was good. I'm sure it was good, right? I know it was expensive. Oh, it must have been that impactful. You see what we do? We build up that Christmas has got to be so great. My life has got to be so great. You don't even remember what you did last year. Unless Facebook popped up in your feed that this is what you were doing last year. You don't even remember and it's really easy to build up our life as if it's got to hinge on these monumental moments that it's just got to be getting better. And I'm not saying abandon the ideal. I'm saying stop making an idol out of the ideal because it's ruining your picture of what God wants to actually do because God actually does want to bless you. God does want to prosper you. God wants to do it, but he doesn't want to execute his plan based on your preferences. So guess what? God may take your husband who's been unfaithful, who's been mean, who's been messed up and want to redeem him and restore him and bring him back. So he will be a trophy of grace, not because you're such a good wife, but because he's such a good God, he wanted to restore your husband. And it's not that God wants to give you a job out of nothing. It's that God wants to show you. You didn't deserve that job. I gave you that job. The job is a trophy of God's goodness, not man's goodness. That this Christmas is not about our goodness. It's about God's goodness to us. Never forget the fact that your ideals are based on your image. But God is saying, hey, I can give you things that far exceed what you can possibly even think, ask, or imagine. Because that's how good your God is. And stop limiting God to your ideal. Stop putting him in your little box of how God should work. And if God would just let me win the lottery, and if God would just give me a little, a, a, a 
give me a better car and God would just give me this, this status, then, then I'd be happy. You wouldn't because God knows you. He formed you. He made you. He knows you intimately. He knows what, you, what you, your heart longs for and what you desire. And this morning, God's like, hey, because you're fixating on your ideals, you will never see how good I am in your life. You will never step back and say, God, you've been good to me. God, you've blessed me. You've prospered me. You favored me. You favored me among all the others. You didn't have to. It'd be easy to look at my family with all the dysfunction, with all the pain, with all the hurt and the loss and say, man, your dad grew up without a dad. I bet he wasn't all that great. No, my dad was an even better dad because he knew what it was like to go without a father. He knew what it was like to get picked on. He knew what it was like to get married and to want to look over and see his dad smiling at him and know that his dad wasn't there. It made my dad a better father when he had his first son. You want to call your dad and say, hey, I had my first son today and he wasn't there. It'd be easy to be bitter, but instead it made him better. You see, you're stronger for your struggle. You know that. I know it's cliche and I know you've heard it a thousand times, but you are better for all the pain and the scars. It made you stronger this morning. You didn't ask for it. You didn't want it, but God did it. And it's making you better because he's taking something and he's molding and it's all about him this morning. So it's time that we as a church say, hey, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. Why? Because God is breaking up my ideals. If we have a good meal, we don't have a good meal. We're going to eat our meat in singleness and gladness of heart. We're gonna be content with such things we have. And there's joy in this place and God is on the throne. So if our church grows to a thousand, if we start a campus in Gilroy and we start a campus in Morgan Hill and we go global, whatever happens, happens. It's up to God. We just keep being faithful. We just keep telling people about Jesus. We just keep inviting people to church. We just keep telling them how good our God is, how God saved this person, how God reached this person. This morning, my wife prayed with a woman. She didn't, never heard of our church. She just said, I needed to go to church. She found ours this morning. She came forward and she just prayed with my wife. And it was just a total God thing where God just brought her. Yesterday, I was in Burbank airport and I'm talking about the church and I'm talking about what I think God wants us to do in Gilroy. And a lady looks over and she said, hey, I live in Gilroy. Here's the people you need to talk to. Here's the connections you need to have. And all of a sudden, God started opening up more doors. Why? Because that's the good hand of our God. I couldn't plan that. I couldn't foresee that. So never doubt for a second that you can outplan, outsmart, outwit God. He's bigger and better than that. God wants to do great things. This morning, your search is over, but the story isn't. Jesus is here. Emmanuel, God with us. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting southridgesanjose.com slash connect. Again, that's southridgesanjose.com slash connect.